Hello and welcome to Brits on Flicks, the movie podcast where we discuss, deliberate and dissect the movie of our choosing. This time, the movie of choice is 1998's Deep Rising. So Brian, why was this uh, on your list of choices? Because it's a classic. Oh no, sorry, we're talking about Deep Rising, aren't we? Um, <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's I I just remember it being such a huge guilty pleasure. Um, it's one of those films that I remember watching quite a few times when it first came out on DVD, and just really enjoying it. Just kind of not caring that some of the stuff was really badly made, because it was just so much fun. Uh, but it, it's kind of become one of them DVDs that sat on my shelf for about ten years, and. I kind of, whenever I'm scanning the, the, the shelves, I kind of think, I should watch that again at some point because I remember enjoying it. Uh, I, but I just never have. And obviously doing this podcast, when we're looking for things to watch, looking for things to review, especially since we've started doing the uh, five synopsis thing at the end of our show, I thought, you know what, yeah, let's, let's stick that in there. be a perfect choice and perfect excuse to to watch it again uh that's mm. nothing more sinister than that really yeah i mean i'm i'm much like you i i discovered deep rising on dvd in the late 90s and it was still at a time where you could pick up a movie and you've not heard every single thing about it through the internet so you're never quite sure what you were going to get um and i do like monster movies i i do like uh, this a uh, smuggler type anti-hero kind of guy I've always been drawn to those kind of movies the kind of things like Escape from New York that kind of thing and uh, I remember having a lot of fun with Deep Rising and much like yourself I was really looking forward to checking this one out and trying to get a hold of it was a bit of a nightmare Um, I I checked Amazon for a Blu-ray couldn't get it Uh, the streaming options weren't available I was going to have to rent it online. Uh, luckily, I, I went to my DVD boxes and uh, I've got them all notified with like the letters on it. You know, this is box which A-B inside it and it's you know, CTD. So I opened it up, found Deep Rising, which I wasn't even sure if I had a copy of it, but I took the chance and uh, was over the moon. I was I was running about the house, like holding it aloft like it was some kind of trophy. I was like, I've got Deep Rising! which everybody else just went that's great fantastic <laughs> no one cares no one cares but yeah I was really excited to get back into this movie I, I could remember quite a lot about it which you know for a movie that was seems to have been forgotten about and it does seem to have been forgotten for some reason I remembered a lot so I was really curious about getting back into this so Brian before we get this into the discussion do you have a quick synopsis for this yeah, very quick one. Simply because, well, quite frankly, I couldn't be asked writing one myself. So I'm just going to use the IMDB synopsis, which simply says, A group of heavily armed hijackers board a luxury ocean liner in the South Pacific Ocean to loot it, only to do battle with a series of large-sized, tentacled, man-eating sea creatures who have taken over the ship first. And that's pretty much it. Follow, uh, for, uh, throw in Famke Jansen as some kind of cat thief who's trying to steal some things from the safety deposit boxes on board the ship. And 
Treat Williams as the captain of the crew who've kind of taken these hijackers to the ship, been paid to take them to the ship, uh, and that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah. Oh, Brian, but you, you always finish your synopses with a question. It's got the movie title. Can you not add in something like, but what is rising from the deep? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, if, if, if I could have been bothered rather than cribbing from IMDb, then yeah, sure. Uh Sorry, sorry, listeners. I, we we just yeah we couldn't be asked this week. That <laughs> <laughs> is what it is. So deal with it. Deep rising. Um, what do you think the theme of the movie is, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's it's a popcorn flick. It's not one that's getting anything deeper than what's on screen. It's an entertainment adventure monster movie. And I've got to say, it, putting it on, it put me right into the mood with the opening theme music. Okay, this like adventure music. I loved it. It's cheesy as hell. But I've been humming that theme tune all week since I watched it. Um, and we've got the speedboats that are cruising towards the ship and you get all this group of nefarious characters, each one badder or seemingly badder in a movie perspective than the one we've seen before. We've got our Han Solo captain. <laughs> We've got his Chewbacca. <laughs> We've got his Chewbacca sidekick. Um, what, what do you think of the, the, the movie in the whole, Brian? Just go on. Let's let's see if we can get some discussion out of this thing. Well, you know, let's go. Let's start with that crew, actually, because actually, it's it's one of the most endearing things about it. Uh, I I do like this crew, uh, particularly. Once we get on board the ship, obviously we have Famke Janssen kind of introduced to it. She, she's she's introduced on the ship long before these guys get there, these hijackers, mm-hmm. um, pirates, if you will. And so it takes a while for her and Treat Williams to get together. But once they do, I think they have a really good chemistry. And oh, yeah. You know, our, our top five for this episode is going to be top five Famke Janssen movies. And I must say, when, when I when I kind of threw that out there at the end of last episode, <laughs> quite frankly, because at the time I couldn't be asked coming up with a top five. <laughs> I'm really not on Shh, fire. Right. Yeah. No, we're super prepared, definitely. <laughs> yeah, we episode. We're so prepared. We're professionals, right to the core. Um, no, when I came up with that top five, I honestly kind of thought I was going to regret it because Famke Janssen, she is someone who I think a lot of people recognise as being fairly hot, but there's not really a, a great big laundry list of roles that jump out when you, when you think of Famke Janssen. I think probably mm. her most famous one is from the X-Men, but it's not like she ever stole the show as Jean Grey in the X-Men. So... So, yeah, uh, but coming back to this and watching this film, i got to say, I really liked her in this quite yeah. a lot. And, it, it, like, she's got a lot of sass in it and a bit of a kind of Catwoman vibe going on, you know, like, obviously because she's a cat burglar. But I think of The Dark Knight Rises when... Mm. Bruce Wayne first catches Selina Kyle in his mansion doing a bit of the thievery and and she has that same kind of Anne Hathaway 
slinkiness about her as as she's trying to evade these people who've literally just caught her in the act. Now she doesn't quite have the class of you know the of of what Nolan and and Hathaway bring to to the Dark Knight Rises, but it's still there, and I still enjoy this character in the same way. Um, yeah, the, the character's great, but one of my favourite things about the character is is, is she seems so carefree in what she's doing. She's robbing people and she gets caught and she just shrugs her shoulders. She gets put in um, the sort of prison galley type thing or whatever and she's got all this food and drink. So she's having a great time. <laughs> and, and then I think the key scene to this is later on when things go a bit awry and there's a noise in the ship. She just breaks out of the cell. Like, and then you realise that she could have got out at any point <laughs> she wanted but she thought she'd just sit there and have all the food and drink that she could handle. She's clearly someone who, no matter what situation she is in, she's a glass half full kind of person. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if she's in dire straits, she's like, well, okay, what can I take away from this situation that is actually quite (laughs) positive? Um, But, yeah, that that does endear me to her. So let's go back to the boat and all the characters that are all there. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like Aliens, isn't it? It's like a a bootleg version of Aliens. You know, we've got our bootleg Han Solo Mm -hmm. and we've got our bootleg Marines from the Aliens team, you know, like the and and Predator, I guess, as well. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we kind of... I think about those scenes early on in Predator where they're on the helicopter and we're kind of getting to, very quickly getting to know this crew. Uh, and, and it just feels like that, but, you know, not quite as classy. But it, but it's still it's still fun. Because like you say, mm. it's, it's so cheesy, you just kind of go along for the ride and you just enjoy it. And so when all these different characters are kind of re- revealing their personalities, not particularly going too deep but just showing us who they are it's amusing it's quite funny mm. as they all try to say like one up each other mm. with their, yeah. their, their, their stupidity almost um, I mean I, I like all these characters but I, I think the, the three main characters of the piece we've got Famke Janssen's character um, we've got a uh, Treat Williams character so and then we have Possibly my favourite, uh, <laughs> Kevin G. O'Connor as Pantucci. <laughs> and it's amazing, you've got like three extremely likeable characters in this movie that like, you just root for and who all have like amazing one-liners. They're all immensely fun and they're characters that you actually want to see survive this ordeal they're going through. But you can tell the, the, the history between Treat Williams' character and Pantucci. Mm. Um, as they're constantly bickering, you can tell that he's a, he's a bit of a um, put-upon guy. Because <laughs> he, he gets beat up, he gets smacked down, he gets shot, he, everything happens to him. What did you think of this character? Well, to be honest, it's the actor, isn't it? Because yes. he, he is this guy in everything he does. Like, it's his voice. He's got this very distinctive voice uh, that mm. kind of instantly just makes you like him. I mean, Stephen Sommers, who directed this film, also mm. directed uh, The Mummy, Van Helsing, and G.I. Joe. And Kevin J. O'Connor is in all three of those movies. So he, he's a bit of a, main, a mainstay when it comes to Stephen Sommers' movies. So the, the, the guy 
those those two guys clearly work well together they clearly enjoy each other's company and i always remember him kind of stealing scenes in the mummy as well i you know i, I think of that scene when he's pulling out all the religious iconography from his <laughs> from his kind of his neck you know he's, he's got all these different necklaces these lucky charms and and it's mm. like kind of pick and mix religion in, in the hope that one of them is going to keep the mummy <laughs> at bay uh, and I always remember that scene just cracking me up uh, but yeah it, it is the actor the, the guy is just funny he's, he's amusing and he's again it's because of his personality and the sound of his voice it just endears you to him yeah, um, you could definitely call him a lovable loser yeah I think <laughs> um, and you've got Treat Williams who was always like a sideline character. He's, he's never like the action hero or in the things that I've seen him in. He's never anything close to that. But he suits the role so well. He's confident, he's cocky, he is the man in charge. I think he's terrific, is, is the Han Solo-esque smuggler. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's his attitude, isn't it? He's just, mm-hmm. whatever it is that you need for that, he just has it. Um, and I think it's yeah. because he does just look... Like an average man, he, do, he you know he doesn't look like you know like your typical action star. He doesn't have the 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 rugged features of say Dwayne Johnson or you know or someone of of that ilk. He just looks like your dad, basically. He, you know he he looks like anybody's dad who's just walked in off the street and has decided to play an action role. Um, but it, but it's I'd amusing. say he's almost from the, the, the Bruce Campbell school. Yes, yes, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, one, of, one of the interesting things that I picked up on was that all the characters are bad in one way or another. Mm. You know, you've got the, the, the person that made the ship who's ultimately behind the, the, the major problem that's going on there. You've got the smugglers, you've got the army guys, you've yeah. got a cat burglar. Everybody's various degrees of nefarious characters, mm. um, so, but yeah, you do kind of root for ones more than other ones. And, and so we've kind of covered the crew and cast, and then we get to the sort of the ship, and let's talk about the the, the tentacle monsters <laughs> type of things. I mean, they, they hold them at bay for a good little while. They tease us a little bit there's, before mm. unleashing the the CGI of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when this first came out, um, I mean, I, I remember when I first saw it, I knew it had a really low budget, um, mm. like, like really low. And y- you could tell at the time that all that budget had gone into the special effects, which is why we have this complete cast of like C list actors, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, when it first came out, I was like, you know what? These special effects are really, really good. And not only that, but there's a lot of them. Once once we do get the creatures, they, they don't try any kind of tactics to keep keep them covered up, you know, in order to save budget. It, they, they, once they're unleashed, they, they go full on with them. But it does take a while to get there. They kind of build it up, like like you say, a bit like, a bit like they do with jaws, where mm-hmm. they want you to feel the force of them before we see what it is that dishes out that force. Um, but I, I like the design of them, although the, the, 
now I think they maybe look a little too over-designed. There's, there's a lot of spiky bits and suckers and... Mm-hmm. I, I think of like the, the predator mouth and and the alien mouth almost combined. It gets it gets, gets a little bit over the top. Uh, but yeah, the the CGI, it must be said by today's standards, hasn't held up particularly well in some parts. Uh, mm-hmm. th- there are other parts that fare a bit better, but yeah. But I think it I think it fits the tone of the movie. By not being great, because the movie is like kind of tongue in cheek. Yes, I mean, it's, a, it's a B movie, isn't it? In yeah. every sense of the word. And B movie special effects shouldn't be top notch, it shouldn't be <laughs> spot on perfect. That's part of the charm of them. Mm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the set design, um, because there's this moment where they get to, where they classify as a feeding zone. Mm. Where they have all these bodies and horrible poses, yeah. it's absolutely fantastic. I I love that design, and then even the ship they've got these small passageways that they use to like great effect. And you can you kind of know this was filmed on a, a sound stage somewhere, but they really do create these awesome sets for them to say work their way through. Mm. What did you think of that feeding zone? You know, I'd completely forgotten about it. Um, yeah. So it came, that that's one of the surprises that this time round that the film had to offer. Because I was like, whoa, I totally forgot about this. And it is quite disgusting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I also love the way, like you said with the corridors, they make good use of them. And, and, and one of the good uses of them is by doing the... Nightmare on Elm Street thing, you know, where the where the beasts are on the other side and they kind of make imprints through the wall, so you see yeah. the wall kind of bending out, a bit like when Freddy Krueger comes out of the wall, and and mm-hmm. so yeah, that you know that's another good way of kind of not showing the creatures but still showing them, kind of still ramp ramping up the tension, so to speak, uh, but without having to go full on with your CGI on them. But, yeah, I, I liked that stuff. I, I, I thought it was well done. And I, li- I like the... Like, like we say, everything they do in this, everything they play, either for laughs or for an entertaining action beat. So you have this stuff where they're running down the corridors and, and they're tripping over and one guy kind of pushes the other guy <laughs> back so that he'll cop it rather than him. And uh, it's just stuff like that that is, is quite amusing and it's entertainment value. I, I think if you come into this film and you can't be entertained by moments like that, then, then there's, there's an issue there. There's definitely going to be an issue for you with regards to your enjoyment of this film. There's definitely a, a sense of black humour running through this. The, the two moments that I'm thinking of, or three moments... Is the, is the one where uh, Jason Fleming shoots at the beast in the, in the the pantry or the chef's office oh, and then starts getting all brave and he's like, yeah, that's it, you run. Only to discover that it's standing behind him or floating behind him, just ready to pounce. Mm. And then they have Pantucci and this head uh, robber guy who are running down, being chased by the beasts, um, who shoots him in the leg, Pantucci, so he can run away. And then later on we see that he's being eaten by one of these things and 
Pantucci gives him a gun <laughs> <laughs> to kill himself with and he fires at him to realise that that's the only bullet in yeah. the thing. You know, it's got like this wicked sense of humour. That... <laughs> it's just funny. It's just funny. Like, you're giggling just now because it's funny scenarios. Well, I, was, I, was, I was literally, in my head, I was thinking, if he doesn't mention it, that moment, I'm going to mention it. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the moment that instantly jumped into my head. Um it, it, yeah, it, I always remember that that's stuck in my head that moment where he, he shoots at him and then tries to shoot himself and it just <laughs> yeah yeah it's like dude if, if you'd have it's it's just it's it's a nice commentary really on um just not kind of giving in to your darker emotions to 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 hurt other people because it will backfire mm-hmm. there will it will come back on you and it's just like when he needs that bullet to take care of himself, um, to just to stop him from going from what is clearly going to be one of the most agonising deaths imaginable. <laughs> he, he was an idiot and he wasted that bullet on someone else, missed them, or d- mm. didn't, didn't make a kill shot at any rate. And, and actually now he's, he really needs that bullet. But you know what? Tough luck, mate. Yeah, and, and what a horrible idea they'd be sad as well, the fact that somebody says that they'd drink you. Mm. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just sounds horrific. And then the fact that you see all these bodies and things like that, it's just it's horrible imagery. Going to the character that says that, actually, we have um, Anthony Heald, who most people will know as the Doctor from Silence of the Lambs, the Doctor who treats Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of the same, yeah, <laughs> he's one of those actors where no matter what I see him in, he he just seems to play that snivelling, snidey, grubby little character that you kind of want to see get their comeuppance. You know, in in Silence of the Lambs, we we end that film with Hannibal going off to to have him for lunch, uh, and here. We, we literally spend most of the film wanting to see these creatures have him for lunch. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he, ju- he just seems to be this guy in whatever he does. Um, is there anything about the movie that you didn't like? Because there's one specific thing that kind of annoyed me a little bit, um, and that was the sort of large creature at the end. Yeah, that, I mean, that was a bit of a misstep, it, certainly in the special effects department. Um, yeah, I, it's I, unnecessary. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't remember it bothering me all that much when the fir- when I first saw the film all them years ago. But now looking at it, it it kind of implies that all the tentacles we see are actually an extension of that rather than their yeah. own individual kind of little beasties. Mm-hmm. That I don't like. Um, I I will also say that it took much longer this time around compared to what I remembered for them to actually get on the ship and for mayhem to start happening um, mm. like I liked those initial scenes when we're seeing these guys kind of like you know as, as you put it one-upping them each other kind of kind of thing but then after that we 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 do spe- seem to spend an inordinate amount of time on that boat and then going back to the ship and seeing Famke Jansen getting into trouble and being locked up and, and as amusing as that stuff is, I don't know, it just it felt it 
felt much longer this time around. Like I, I because rem- one of the things I remember about the film when when I first watched it was just how fast, how thick and fast it was with action and horror and comedy. Whereas this time, I'm I'm like I'm remembering the bits in my mind that I found entertaining, and it was taking an awful long time to get there. But yeah, I mean, another thing that just popped in my head is um, Pantucci's girlfriend who stays behind in the boat to try and um, say mend it. Mm. She gets taken out, and um, she's kind of like a, a sort of innocent victim in it all because she doesn't seem to do anything. Overly bad, but rather than being forgotten about again, there's there's a moment later on where Pantucci's at the end. He knows she's she's died, and he's working on getting the boat back, and he just stops and, and sheds a tear, which is the kind of thing you don't really get in these movies. <laughs> um, it's just a nice little touch. I kind of like that. It just made the character a little bit more realistic for me. Mm. One of these small things that you just I latch onto. I I. I for some reason, I think it's because you mentioned the death of of that woman, but uh, it reminded me of the one of the more amusing deaths at the beginning when the woman runs into the toilet <laughs> and yeah. she she thinks she, well yeah she 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 goes there to hide and sits on the toilet and then gets sucked into it, but uh, that was that was quite amusing. Um, yeah, and yeah. it's. Uh, it's struggling for conversation now, Brian. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's just one of those films, isn't it? It's, it's, an, it's a bit of an entertaining laugh, right? Um, I will say the, the some of the worst elements of it are the. Um, I'm not. Sure, I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure how they do it. I, I. I think it's it's either green screen or blue screen with model work or something. But there's some shots outside the boat. Where it, it does not look particularly great at all, um, and then there's the, the shot towards the end where the where the boat blows up, I actually quite liked. I, I'm a I'm a bit of a sucker for a good explosion, and and I think it is a good explosion at the end of this. But you can tell it's a model that is being blown up, you, and you, and you yeah. can tell that it's a model that's been green screened against. An ocean backdrop, and it, it it all it yeah again it just all looks a little bit cheesy, a little bit B movie, but it kind mm. of adds to that charm of the film. But this is something that runs through Stephen Summers' movies, dodgy CGI. Yeah, but he he kind of has the excuse here, doesn't he? Um, yeah. I mean, the budget yeah. for this was a fraction of what he made the Mummy for, mm. um, and and then you look at the the Mummy and. Yeah, it it still kind of holds up. It's still an okay film, but I re- I remember thinking e- even when I saw it the first time at the cinema that there was some pretty ropey CGI. And then by the time we get to Van Helsing, that's a film that I walked out of in the cinema because it was literally like he'd been given the keys to the kingdom because of the success of The Mummy. Mm-hmm. And he just went nuts for CGI, and and it's almost like he he kind of had this thought that you know what, because I can, because I can, I'm going to make every scene CGI, and and that's what that film felt like to me. It felt literally mm-hmm. like every scene was CGI, and because of that, 
he spread himself far too thinly and nearly all the CGI in that film looks atrocious. Mm. So here, um, they've at least got an excuse. Yeah. I, I recently watched The Mummy again and I found it to be a terrific movie. Yeah, the CGI is not great, but mm. just as an adventure movie, I had so much enjoyment with it. Mm. And I tried to watch the second one and I got about a third of the way through and I was like, I'm not watching this crap. No. I just... <laughs> I just Ah, oh, man. I don't know what happened to the guy, but we'll wait and see if he can resolve some of his CGI issues. I, I just think that he needs to stop being given big budgets. He did a movie a couple of years ago called Odd Thomas. Right, I've not seen that. It stars that. Anton Yelchin. Um, and that is actually pretty good. It's got some ropey CGI in it, but it's mm. not too bad. And it's a kind of lower budget movie, right. like really low budget. But um, I can't remember what the actual figure was, but it's pretty good. Right. Um, I've watched it a couple of times. I think it's fairly entertaining. Um, and I think sometimes these people need to have these constrictions on Yeah, them definitely. Because it just it makes them work a little bit harder. It makes them try a little bit harder mm. rather than just, yeah, throw some more money at it. Yeah. But th- that, that's literally what he feels. Like, you know, you look at someone like Christopher Nolan, he thinks things through. He thinks, well, actually, what's, what's the best way to get this scene on screen. Um, and if, if that means CGI, then he will reluctantly go there. But he tries to do it practical. Um, if, if he can get away with it practical, he will. But then you, you, know, you get someone like Stephen Summers, who he's got the money, so he will. Um, and it's like that's not really always the best approach. Because maybe if you'd have done some of this stuff practical you'd be remembered a bit a bit more, a bit more fondly, I think. Uh, I think the best thing about him seems to be scripts. I think they're, they're fairly entertaining. They mm. create interesting, fun characters. And he's working in a genre, that, the adventure movie, you know, mm. the action adventure, that doesn't seem to be as prominent as it once was, which is a shame because it, I think they're a lot of fun, a hell of a lot of fun, and I think it'd be interesting to see him write something and have somebody else handle it to see yeah. what the, the outcome would be. Yeah. But, um, but uh, speaking of the outcome, so to speak, the outcome of Deep Rising, as it ends up, there's three characters, the three ones that they like the most, end up in an island. Skull Island! <laughs> yes. And we are promised a sequel which never came. Uh. Man, I, I, I'd, I'd have loved to have seen him literally yeah. cross it over with Skull Island. Mm-hmm. I, I would have been happy for just another sequel, just to see these three characters again. Yeah. Um, to see what the hell they were going to get up to. I love the idea of it going back to those movies from the 60s, you know, like the dinosaur world, mm. the, the tip of the land that time forgot, and yeah. those kind of things. I would have loved to see a crossover like that, but alas, we never got it. <laughs> So what's final thoughts then? Go on, tell, tell us um, your final thoughts. Oh, I, I've been struggling with our rating for this one. Let me just tell you that, Brent, because I, I don't know. I, I, I had so much fun with the movie. I've been listening to like, bits of the score, which I think is just <laughs> <laughs> cheesy great. I like all the characters, and they all get their comeuppance, or they deserve comeuppance. I'm happy with that. The three characters that I love the most, and I think they're terrific characters, survive for a sequel that I never got, so that brings it down a mark, because I never got my sequel. It is a B-movie. 
It is a popcorn movie. It is such a fun adventure monster movie. This is the kind of thing that I can see me throwing on again and just loving the hell out of it. In fact, I was watching it again before we started the podcast um, because well, no other reason I wanted to watch it again. I think Kevin G. O'Connor just makes it work with Pantucci. Mm. I, I like Famke Janssen. I think she's great and, and aloof and effortless. I think Treat Williams is kind of similar as well. He's that Han Solo-ish character. I just, I think it's a, a really fun movie, but I don't think it's a five out of five. No, 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 no. It, it's not. not, even though personal pleasure, I do get a lot out of it. But I'm still going to give it a high mark. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Okay. Um, and it may not be like a, an Oscar contender, but in pure entertainment, on in pure enjoyment, that's what it gave me. A four out of five. Mm. Yeah, did, when I first watched this or the first few times I watched it in fact it, it I think it was a four out of five for me I, I remember this being just one of them really fun guilty pleasures um it, it, it's it's not quite held up as well as I remember some ropey special effects it kind of lags a bit in the like second act um but it is entertaining, and it does give me some really likable characters, uh, and it's it's just it's just a fun B movie, like we've already said. So I, I I'll give it a three and a half out of five. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Right, uh, and um, you've probably forgot, Brian, but I wanted to add a new segment into the show. <laughs> the, the the double feature, just a recommendation, just a small minute or two, a movie that you would pair with this for the perfect double bill. Um, did you forget about it? Did you prepare? I, I didn't forget about it, but I didn't re- prepare. <laughs> right, OK. <laughs> Do you want me to jump in here first? Go on, go for it. I, I had a thought about it. I had a couple of movies. Goes, what, what would be the perfect movie to go with this? And I think the one that would complement it that's very similar to it would be Tremors. It's, it's mm. a very similar movie, it's very tongue-in-cheek, it is very stuck on the B-movie aesthetic. It has two leads, one with a love interest, one without. And I think that's one of my favourite movies, it's a great monster movie, and it's very similar in, yeah. in tone and structure to Deep Rise, and I think it would be a perfect double bill. Is it like, when, you, when you said it, I, I was thinking that maybe it would have to be some kind of C-bound thing, but... Now that now that you've mentioned Tremors, which definitely would be a good double bill, I've I've instantly got to go with Snakes on a Plane. I think I think Snakes on a Plane would definitely make a good double bill for this because it it's got the exact same kind of vibe about it, that tongue in cheek style. Um, it, I, even I, I think it's even got the to- the toilet gag in it, <laughs> so. Yeah, there's literally gags in Snakes on a Plane that were, yeah, that that were used, probably even cribbed from Deep Deep Rising. So, yeah, that 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 would be what I would suggest. If you're going to do a double bill with Deep Rising, Snakes on a Plane. There you have it. Some three good monster movies to get onto, and if you happen to think of your own movie that you think would go perfectly with Deep Rising, you can let us know on Twitter. Um, all the links are in the show notes below. Right, Brian, this is your top five, isn't it? It is. 
So, would you like to explain? Okay. What it is? <laughs> well, as I mentioned before, uh, end of last show, I just completely forgot that we had to come up with the top five, <laughs> and it was my turn. So yeah, I kind of farted out of my head. Top five Famke Janssen uh, roles, uh, not not movies, but roles. So yeah. Yeah, this this I'm not going to lie, Brian. This has been one of the harder ones that you've ever gave us. <laughs> <laughs> but I did manage to pull five, and I'm pretty sure we're going to have some crossover here. Yeah. As, uh, yeah. Please tell me Lenore from Taken is not on the list. No. Good. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So who wants to go first here? Uh, go on, I'll, I'll I'll go first unless you're unless you have an itching desire to to delve no, I've into. No, itching desire with this top five. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, all right. My, my number five is a character called Aggie Conrad, which she played in the film Don't Say a Word. Um, she plays the wife of Michael Douglas. She's bed-bound during the film. She's got this kind of plaster cast on her leg. And Sean Bean and his crew kind of break into the house and she has to fend them off whilst being mostly incapacitated. Uh, and, and I think, she, she, it, it, you know, it's, it's not a character that you put up there with your Clarice Starlings or your, mm-hmm. you know, Michelle Pfeiffer Catwomans or anything like that. It, it, it's a throwaway character in a throwaway film. But when you look at her CV, it, it's, yeah, it's probably one of the better characters that she's played. Yeah, I've got a bit of a hard time disassociating the character um, from the movie. So I've tried to think of movies that I liked with a good performance from Janssen in it. Um, so number five in my list is 1995's Lord of Illusions, uh, directed by Clive Barker, based on one of his stories. It's a strange movie about a, a, a cult leader who may be rising from the grave, a David Copperfield-like magician who has mysteriously vanished. It isn't a part of a trick. And uh, Fem- Femke Janssen stars as Dorothea Swan, and she is the magician's wife. And she hires Scott Bakula, who's a private investigator, to investigate <laughs> Scott his You know you're in for quality when Scott Bakula is his head. This was back in Quantum Leap times. This was, he was hot. <laughs> he was hot. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a, such a strange movie because it is horror. It's based with magic, like real world magic as well. But it's mixed with like an almost 50s private eye and you have Fabian Janssen as Dorothea playing the sort of femme fatale role, the person that hires the private eye, but is she setting him up? Does she know more than she's letting on? And it's quite a good role to watch her kind of twist the screw a little bit and you're never quite sure whether she's been 100% true or whether she's just kind of manipulating this character. But I think it's a fairly fun role and it was uh, one of our, our earlier ones as well. Right. Okay. Uh, my number four, I've gone with Jean Grey from X-Men. I went with the first X-Men film because I, I, 
I'm not someone who hates X-Men 3. I actually think it's quite entertaining. Um, but I, I won't lie either and say that it's fanta- uh, fantastic. Um, X-Men 2 is actually my favourite X-Men film, but Jean Grey, other than towards the end, doesn't really get a right lot to do in it. Um, so I, I think of the X-Men films, her most memorable kind of section i guess i i would say comes from the first film so uh yeah um and 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 that character does have quite a big impact Mm -hmm. within the x-men movie universe um i'd like to say thanks to famke jansen but who knows (laughs) Uh, okay my number uh four is if i could just get our name up here it is because I can't read my writing. It is Miss Elizabeth Burke from The Faculty. Now, the first time I saw this, I think I had seen, I had seen Lord of Illusions, but I hadn't taken notice of Famke Hansen. I had seen Golden Eye, mm. and then you see The Faculty, and she is Miss Prim and Proper, um, all buttoned up, yeah. hair pulled back, trying to make as unattractive as possible, which is die on near impossible when you've got a woman that attractive <laughs> um, they, put, they did the old movie trick they put glasses on oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> instantly Whoa, she's hideous she's wearing glasses <laughs> uh. yeah, like, yeah, okay. but then midway through the movie as the pod person in there takes over she becomes a super confident super sexualised version of herself mm. where she just lets rip I think it's a fun role she gets to try both ends of the spectrum caricatured in both hands and I think it's pretty fun mm. right. okay so going into my top three I will say genuinely that I think the, these top three roles of hers I do genuinely like um, I, I do genuinely think actually you know what yeah they're three pretty good roles from Famke Janssen I, I, I don't think there's quite enough on her CV to come up with a top five but I do think there's enough to come up with the top three. Um, and my number three is the one we've discussed tonight, uh, Trillian St. James from Deep Rising. Uh, I don't remember at any point during the film them calling her out as uh, Trillian St. James, but that's what it says in the yeah. credits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I had fun with this role. I liked her in it. I thought she was very charming, as we've already said. Um, not much more to say on that really but yeah I, li- I like her in this mm-hmm. um, like you said she's not exactly laden with Oscar winning <laughs> roles <laughs> so my number three is Xenia on a top mm-hmm. from GoldenEye I think it's just she, she looks like she's having so much fun with these men between her thighs <laughs> <laughs> She seems to be so playful. She's crushing these men. And I remember thinking, what a delightful way to die. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's just it's just fun. She looks stunning. Um, and it's one of the best James Bonds as well. Mm. To boot. Yeah. So there we are. Yeah. Okay. Um, my number two is Miss Elizabeth Burke from The Faculty. Uh, mm. I, w- I was really big on slasher movies in the late 90s, early noughties, uh, mainly thanks to Scream. 
so when Kevin Williamson, the writer of Scream, teamed up with Robert Rodriguez, who was pretty hot back then, uh, not so much these days, but back then it was like, oh yeah, Robert Rodriguez, it's time to get excited, he's got a film coming out. And I really, I really liked The Faculty, I watched it quite a lot actually, to be honest, maybe maybe more than the film deserves but it, it's just it's an enjoyable romp i i think it's a re really good kind of high school breakfast club meets invasion know, of the body snatchers yeah invasion of the body snatchers uh and uh famke jansen was actually a big part of that because i i she, she was still at the beginning of her career really so she could have gone anywhere you know, and I, and I do think she came out of GoldenEye being one of the most memorable things about that film. Mm -hmm. So when she got, you know, the, the next few roles she was going to take after GoldenEye would essentially make or break her career, I think. Um, now, she, she kind of had something of a middling career, although she, she has stayed in the limelight. Um, but I don't think she's ever quite excelled in the way that I feel like she should. And I think mm. she could have if she'd have got more roles like this, you know, stuff that's more memorable. She's really playful with this, you know. She she yeah. knows she's good looking. She knows that she can turn men's heads. So she's having fun with that by playing this role. She's, she's yeah, she's I think she's enjoying taking on that. Thing. You know, it's, it's completely unconvincing. I don't, I don't believe for a second that she's, you know, all timid and shy and, and whatnot, but I enjoy it, you know. I can tell she's having fun with it, and that, and that kind of... It, it, it's infectious. It, ma it makes me have fun with it. So, yeah, and then when she starts changing, like you say, through the film, starts turning it on, becoming all sexy, it, it, again, it's, it's entertaining. It's, it, yeah, I like the role, I like the film. Both are memorable, that's why it is my number two. Okay, and uh, my number two is the movie we just watched, The Rising, <laughs> Trillian St. James. I, I, like I said earlier on in, in the review, I always feel that she's confident, fully in control, and can deal with any situation when she wants to. Um, and she is a sort of positive character. And I think... Although not that these things are stated in the movie or are done through actions, you have that strong feeling about the character because of the way she's portraying her. And and I just I think it was, it was a marvel of a performance. Like I said, the, the three leads in the movie were great and she is one of the three who is terrific as well. And I think it, it's one of her most memorable roles now that I kind of forgotten about it and then watched it again. It's not that memorable. However <laughs> it is now. Mm. <laughs> Okay, uh, so my number one, uh, look, I'm a big Bond fan. I've reviewed most of the James Bond films on my channel. It's Goldeneye. And as I've already stated here, she was one of the most memorable things about it. Goldeneye is one of the best Bond films, I think. Um, it, if I did a, did a top five Bond movies, that would definitely be in there. Um, I think it would probably be about number four, number three, to be honest. It's got a, a really great collection of villains. I think Sean Bean was fantastic in it. I thought the Russian guy in it was pretty good. You've also got Boris. I was never that keen on, but I, 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 I you know, he's something different to add to mm -hmm. that cast. 
of characters of, of villains but you know this this woman who let's face it looked pretty damn hot um came out of nowhere i you know never heard of her who's this what fam fam famke jansen what you know didn't even know how to pronounce her name she's just this random woman in a bond film and and usually with with bond films they they did pick actresses who already had some level of cachet you know some something that like a fandom you know uh but with her it, it was like no i don't know this woman uh she, she looks like she just walked off the front cover of a, a, a of a magazine a fashion magazine but then she comes on and she plays this absolute crazy nut job of a henchwoman um, you know, we, we'd, we'd always had these henchmen in, in Bond films. There's, there's, a, there's a couple of, like, bad women in Bond throughout the years, but nothing on the level of this, where she literally just... Yeah, she, she was a psychopath through and through. Um, and, yeah, I, I think she just did a fantastic job with it. It, it was a... It kind of up to the ante for Bond films, and yeah, de for me, definitely her most memorable role. Um, for me, the biggest role that Famke Janssen has had has been Jean Grey, mm. and I think she's part. I mean, it was an ensemble cast, and it's down to a few of the, the, the characters that did so well. But she was one of the main sort of story arcs, the sort of love triangle between Scott and Wolverine, and her, and right on to the Dark Phoenix kind of storyline where it was kind of headed I, I think she was a good part of that and it was probably one of her largest roles as well, definitely our most prominent um, mm. and I think when, when I think of that actress that's the role that kind of pops into my head first when I think about her uh, like yourself I think X-Men 2 is the, the best of the bunch um, and, and like you as well, I'm not really too fussed about X-Men 3 apart from the fact that she goes all um, explosive in that one um, and, and they get rid of her a bit too soon for my liking I don't know if that storyline should really have been played out there yeah. um, but I like her in the three movies I think she suited the role well and, and she works well with Wolverine particularly Hugh Jackman's character not so much with the Scott Cyclops I don't think that relationship really bonded right. much for me, but I, I think she's a key element of the X-Men franchise. I think it's her biggest role, and that's the one that pops to my head first. So, Brian, why don't you hit us up with some housekeeping? Yeah, okay. Uh, well, if, if you've got this far with us, and you're still here, still enjoying it, that's assuming you, you have been enjoying it. If not, you're a glutton for punishment. I don't know why you got this far. But if you are, <laughs> please, please, please... Go onto iTunes and give us a rating and hopefully a review. It doesn't have to be long, just one sentence if you like. Uh, it take you five minutes and it really will help us to get seen by other people. Uh, you know, we would like this to grow, we would like more people to, to start listening, and we can't do that if the word isn't spread. If people don't know we're here, they can't find us. So, yeah, that would be a great help. We'll be eternally grateful. And just to add to that, in the information box where there's a little synopsis about what this episode's about, you can find all our social media links. And if you pop on there, let us know, would you like to hear what our top 
uh, five or ten James Bond movies are. Maybe we can do a special one-off show if you let us know on social media. We'll maybe consider doing that. Brian, what do you think? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We, I'd, I'd be up for doing a special James Bond episode. Yeah, sounds good. So, we're going to move on to the next episode. And next month will be October. <laughs> so with that in mind shall we get to the options Brian now for first time listeners if this is your first time indeed welcome it's not always as ill prepared as this but <laughs> <laughs> what we'll do here is I will read out five synopses of which Brian will start to eliminate these choices until he is left with one movie and that will be the movie that we shall remo- uh, review next episode so Brian are you ready for October's choices? Yes. <laughs> okay. Go on. Number one. When a writer vanishes, an insurance investigator is hired to find out what happened to him. I'm trying to keep these ones very vague, Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed. Number two. A research team finds a mysterious cylinder in a deserted church. If opened, it could mean the end of the world. Number three. (laughs) A picked-upon nerd finds strength and purpose with his new car, especially as the people that pick on him tend to die. Number four. As a centenary of a small town approaches... Paranormal activity begins to occur. Are these all John Carpenter films? No. No. Number five. A psychopath escapes from an asylum and flees to a small town to unleash terror. That's got to be Halloween. That is Halloween. Uh, well, I've I've literally just reviewed all the Halloween films on my channel, so yeah, I I've, I tried to I tried to hide that one a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm done. I'm done with that. <laughs> Halloween's long gone for me. Uh, with with regards to the movies, I I, I don't want to revisit it for some time. So that's yeah, goodbye. <laughs> okay. Um, I've I've got a feeling the first one is misery, uh, but it could be uh, could be something else. Um, read read number two out again, please. A research team finds a mysterious cylinder in a deserted church. If opened, it could mean the end of the world. Is is that a John Carpenter one? Well, I'm not giving you any hints, Brian. You have to work on this yourself. Oh, man. Um, I have tried to disguise the synopsis a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, get, get rid of number one. Okay. Okay, you have got rid of In the Mouth of Madness. That is a joke. These are all John Carpenter. They're all flipping John Carpenter. Okay. Um, read Do you want me to read out it? Read number three and four. Okay. 
I picked up on Nerd finds strength and purpose with his new car. Especially right, that's as Christine, so I, uh, I can't, I do, I have been wanting to revisit Christine for a while actually. Read number four, go on. As a centenary of a small town approaches, paranormal activity begins to occur. That's the fog. Okay. <laughs> um, so we'll get rid of that one. It's between... Right, do I want to watch Christine again or do I want to watch the John Carpenter film that I've never seen, which I know you really like and is... I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's part of the... Uh, is it Armageddon trilogy or Apocalypse trilogy or something they did? Right, I, we'll go with that one. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll get rid of Christine and we'll go with that one because I've never seen it, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch something okay. I've never seen. So number two is Prince of Darkness from That's 1987. Yeah. Now, I think you'll be interested in this one because it is very, very... Um, a strong through line of religion in it. Yeah. So I'm sure you'll have plenty of uh, to talk about. <laughs> um, this this is uh, one of Carpenter's movies that has sort of garnered a, a resurgence in recent years. Mm. Um, as one that it was maligned where maybe it shouldn't have been. It's one where he didn't get a lot of money, so a lot of the cast has been reused from other movies. There's two actors from Big Trouble in Little China in it. Mm. There's a guy in it with a very suspect. Uh, sus- Suspenseful, not suspenseful. No, yes, suspect's the right word. Moustache. It looks, <laughs> <laughs> looks like it's something straight out of a seventies porn movie. I think it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's got Alice Cooper in it. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Uh, doing a bit of his stage show from then. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. It has the longest opening credits of any movie I've ever seen in the history of movies. I think it's like thirteen <laughs> minutes or something, and that is not a joke. Um, so yes, next month shall be Prince of Darkness for October. Oh, okay. And the top five, top five John Carpenter movies. Now we we've already <laughs> done top five John Carpenter movies. Have we? We did it for the thing. <sighs> the thing is, I don't mind doing it again because if I'm watching Prince of Darkness, obviously that may come into play. Mm-hmm. Um. I may try and watch all of They Live before now and then, so that could come into play. And I've got a funny feeling, based on what I remember doing my as my top five last time around, that my list may have in fact changed. Um, well, my, my George Capital list is always changing. Always changing, because I'm... I'm, I'm a fan of quite a few of these movies so I am more than happy to let's hit it again let's see where, where the chips may fall so we're going to do this um, for a second time okay well I, I'm not going to listen back I'm not going to try and find out what I, yeah. what I listed as my top five last time uh, well, I'll do my top five and then we'll, we'll we'll see if it's changed but okay fair enough mm-hmm. back to I John was, Carpenter was it was the old John Carpenter movies I kind of shoehorned you into a hole there Brian <laughs> um, I was going to give you a hint and say that it, um, I was going to call this episode What Would GC Do? <laughs> <laughs> but I think 
that would have gave it away too early. But you did, yes, you did. You caught me. It's, there, it's so. interesting that Alice Cooper's in that film actually because he is a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see what your thoughts will be on it. Okay. Um, don't know whether you'll like it or not, but hey, I get to watch it again for October. So there we have it. Remember to come back next month and see our Prince of Darkness or listen to our podcast. And of course, every other Monday we have our X-Files Revisited series. If you haven't listened to that, you should watch the the series and listen along with us as we pretty much dissect each episode, Brian. (laughs) Don't worry about that, I'll cut that out. (laughs) And we have the outtakes. Right at the end, you topped and tailed it because you cocked up right at the beginning and you've cocked up right at the end. Boom. <laughs> yeah. So there we have it. Next episode, Prince of Darkness, Funny Giggles. I feel terrible about myself. Right. Demoralised. Brian's all prepared. I'm tripping over my own words. Press on Flex, people. Love is subscribe. We'll see you next month. Thank <laughs> you.